Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. Behind the Mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans in the desert southwest. Scott Strandy joining you from Scottsdale, Arizona, in another edition, another episode, if you will, of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. My co-host, as always, joining me from that beautiful palatial estate, now with beachfront property up on uh, beautiful Long Island, New York. Paul Hornstein, how are you this evening? Aren't you the one with the beachfront property? I don't, <laughs> know, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. <laughs> I, I'm near a lot of desert, palm trees, sand, you name it. That's where I'm at. Well, Paul, that, how are you tonight? You, are, you do have beachfront property. There's just no ocean. <laughs> True. Good point. Really good point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and... If you wander around us here, you're going to find out that there's an awful lot of uh, a lot of burnt areas, uh, if I can say that. And uh, I mean, it's just total craziness, Paul. Uh, between the COVID-19 cases and the uh, the fires that are burning out here, and the intense heat that we're going through, as we always do this part of the year, um, it's crazy. I, I I I don't even know what the heck to say because <laughs> we're dealing with our own craziness here um and everybody's trying to make sure that somebody else gets blamed for a decision if something goes wrong uh except that they want to make sure that that the buildings are open uh in september yeah but they're gonna sit there and say well we'll hope we'll clean it and hope but you know hey so yeah. I have no idea. Uh, it keeps coming across all my feeds, but I'll worry about that. I don't know, maybe the middle of August. Who knows? Yeah, I hear you. Well, one thing we do know, Paul, is that the uh, the schedules are in flux. Is uh, if we can use that as a word. I mean, uh, we've been waiting to hear what's going to happen with NCAA hockey. We both know that this is going to. Uh, really come down to what happens with NCAA football, which is going to happen first. Uh, I had a visit with Mitch Terrell a couple of weeks ago and and uh, asked him about the schedule. He said the same thing. We we see seeing things leak out from other programs. We know that, that ASU will not be going to St. Cloud State, at least not in uh, right. early, uh, early October. Um, rather, Denver will be coming here uh, that weekend and then – yeah, so so now you all of a sudden you end up with a uh, a, a four game match with uh, or series, I guess you can call it, with Denver for Arizona State, which uh, that might up the ante a little bit as far as performance goes. We know how good they are. Well, listen, uh, you know that's a blue blood program. Uh, they are where ASU is trying to get uh, four games against them. Uh, are, is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if this team is as good as we think they can be, and uh, we'll get a pretty good idea 
uh, pretty early, considering the uh, the the, the unofficial cha- unofficial change in schedule. I don't know whether to call it official, unofficial, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's a change. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, it, like I said, extra games against Denver. Uh, like I said, is could you? Is it more likely that you will probably lose one of those games where you might have swept St. Cloud? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you, now you're playing a couple extra home games instead of on the road. Uh, and it's just way too early to be thinking about pairwise, but you can't help it because whenever you talk schedule, that's what you're talking right. About, right. Sure, it pops up every time, especially especially if you're an independent, right? Right. So, um, you know, you just got to sit there and and we'll just wait. And eh, honestly, if it leaks, it leaks, uh, dribs and drabs a little bit at a time. Uh, it gives us something to talk about, right? Absolutely does. Speaking of talking about, tonight we've got a great guest joining us from uh, eastern New York, if you will, up in uh, the neck of the woods of uh, Clarkson and, and St. Lawrence University and some teams that uh, at Clarkson certainly it's developed a little bit of a rivalry with Arizona State, the amount of times that they played them. And we had a chance to meet the Clarkson players when they came and, and played a couple of years ago at the uh, holiday tournament here in, in uh, Glendale. And uh, what a great program, what a, what a great hockey program they have. So Cap Carey is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes from the uh, Watertown, New York Daily Times. Uh, he is the guy that covers hockey up there. Uh, he's also a University of Arizona alum. So I'm standing back. I've got both arms spread out. I've got Cap on one side of me. I've got Paul on the other, an ASU alum. It's going to be fun tonight, folks. I, I don't know. I, I know not of what you're talking about. Let me let me preface this for for the listeners out there. If you don't know, uh, the fiercest rivalry in all of college sports, I believe, is right here in the desert southwest between the University of Arizona, U Arizona, as they like to be called now, and Arizona State University. Um, in football, in tiddlywinks, in marbles, it doesn't matter. Um, the, the rivalry is there, so it's going to be a lot of fun in the second half of, of our interview with Cap. When we bring him on, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the seriousness of what's going on in the world of college hockey and how it all affects everything and all of that stuff. But then we're going to have some fun at the end, I promise. And, of course, Paul's got some uh, trivia for us on hashtag Pucks on the Pod. Our good friends at Summer Skates, our partners at Summer Skates, are uh, presenting that for us. So we've got a nice prize pack if you can get it right. I'll throw it out, Paul. Last night when I put it on the uh, social media feed, the question right. from Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, I believe we had an answer in about two minutes. Uh, and I didn't think it was that easy, but apparently somebody was listening to the show and, and knew what it was. So big thank you last night, of course, to our new host on uh, Professional Hockey Southwest Weekly, our Vice President of Content and Design also, Zach Bondurant, joined us, did a great job on his very first night, his debut night. And, of course, thank you to uh, Tucson Roadrunners assistant coach and um, Mr. Everything, been skill development, done everything, and that is um, our friend Steve Potvin. So yeah. uh, really good night. We're looking forward to more of it. Um, Paul is sounding awesome. Uh, we have new mic systems, folks, so uh, if we sound 
rich and famous. We're not. We just sound that way. Yeah, well, uh, certainly not rich, <laughs> certainly not famous. So um, we still haven't gotten an answer to the question from two weeks ago, and I know it was a deep dive question. Uh, do, do, do we want to rehash that and, 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 and go back to it and maybe give a hint? Well, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. If you want to throw that out there, the prize pack is still here. Maybe we can have double winners tonight. So winners tonight. Keep, li- keep listening, and maybe you can get us uh, a chance to, uh, to win your prize pack from a couple of weeks ago, too. So I know you got that question out there, right? Um, it was out there. I'm... <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll, let's put it this way. I'll put it back out again tonight uh, afterwards, and, and we'll see how we do. So... Okay, anything else going on in the world of college hockey? LIU continues to, uh, to sign players. Um, <laughs> every day there's a new, a new player, right? Good for them. Yeah, it's absolutely. Smart. It keeps them in the news, right? Um, have we de- Paul, have we decided, are they team number 61? Are they 60? What team number are they in NCAA hockey? Can we just call them in, in Huntsville 60 and a half, just split it down the middle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are so diplomatic. Uh, no, no, they're officially 61. Uh, Huntsville, I believe is going to hang around, but you know, uh, before we bring our guest on, I just want to touch a little bit about COVID and what it's done. Uh, the NHL has, has done a fantastic job of putting their product back out there and they're getting ready to head to camps and they're, they're going through training here and in the desert Southwest, like they are everywhere. They're going to go to two sites as we set up one in Edmonton, one in Toronto, um, all eyes are on the NHL to see how things go. Uh, I don't think that's uh, any surprise. I think all eyes are on each separate state because the universities are that operate within those states are certainly concerned with what's happening. And, and here in Arizona, I know you all have heard the stories of just how, how many numbers we've had and how we're now number one in a category we never wanted to be, and that's uh, cases per capita in all of the uh, United States. So uh, I can tell you about living here that I take every precaution that I can uh, when I'm out. Uh, You should be wearing a mask. You should be staying away from uh, large gatherings. Um, Stay home if you can, all of those things. So that being said, Paul, uh, before we bring on our guest here in just a couple of minutes, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on how is – NCAA sports and colleges specifically going to be able to deal with this, in your opinion? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that was profound. <laughs> I asked for your opinion. I didn't ask for a, for a diagnosis. <laughs> well, the problem you have is how many teams are there? How many schools are there? You're asking me to form an opinion on 320 schools. You know, some schools like uh, RPI have canceled their fall sports already. Uh, other teams are uh, putting their heads down and crashing through walls, uh, dealing with players that have gotten infected. Uh, obviously, some of those schools are much bigger than than RPI in terms of uh, their, their athletic programs. And uh, the presidents and the athletic directors are trying to balance – everybody's wants and that's important here the difference between wants and needs um i'm not gonna lie i i want something to get started already i know the premier league has started some soccer and they're over there in europe and they're in a different situation 
the uh, National Women's Soccer League has, has started some of their games, so maybe look to them and, and see what they're doing in terms of uh, how they're handling things. But, uh, you know, everybody seems to be handling it different. Baseball yeah. is, is doing what they're doing. You can doing. say that for a fact. You know, and you hear what they're doing. Players are saying, I don't want to play. Players are coming down with the virus. They're not telling you who they are. But you see the reports of three guys or three staff members or three players and seven staff members or however they're doing it. Uh, and everybody's doing it differently. Uh, you know, some of the guys well, have said they don't want to play. You, you can't uh, can't force them to play. Uh, I think that, that, Marcakis, not to just single him out, it's just the first name that come to my head. Right. He says he's not sure if he wants to play. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, How- let me tell you this, Paul. This is what I do know about the, the uh, COVID-19 virus, and then uh, we'll bring our guest on here in just a minute. Uh, there's three things that I know from COVID-19. Number one, if you test positive, the first hardship is even if you have no symptoms, you're supposed to be in quarantine for two weeks. I don't know anybody that's excited about being in quarantine for two weeks. Number two is if you develop it and you do get sick, uh, the sickness can can range from from just a little bit to very bad and, and being uh, hospitalized in intensive care for not only days but weeks. So I know that. And then the third thing is if you are one of those very, very unlucky people that has some underlying effect and it affects you and it kills you, um, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get political here, but Scott, when you look at it, is, there's three is, things, and none of them are good. This is this is this is what we can say uh, before we wait for uh, Cap Carry to come in here. Uh, there's no consistency. There was consistency. People might have a better handle on things. I took one test that was negative and one test that was positive, as we know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's hear from a couple of our partners, and we'll be right back with the uh, the sports writer from the Watertown Daily Times, Cap Carey, in just a minute. Looking for your next car? Head out to 2401 West Bell Road in Phoenix and stop in at Bell Ford, the Arizona Ford Giant. Come in and check out our great deals on the remaining 2020 Fords, as well as the new 2021 models just arriving, like the new E450 pickup truck during our summer outdoor and SUV sale. Voted the number one Ford dealer in Arizona by Ranking Arizona, we will do what it takes to make your car buying experience safe and convenient. Shop online at bellford.com. We'll bring everything to you on your schedule. Schedule a test drive. Need a repair? We'll come pick up your vehicle and bring it back to you. Our sales and service professionals are ready to help in any way to make sure you are happy and satisfied. Go online to bellford.com or call us at 602-866-1776 and let us show you why we've been the dealership that keeps Shane Doan coming back year after year. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the Fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's Barbecue for lunch. Oh, that Fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs. 
I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's Barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy live in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's a toasty, uh, oh, 114, something like that today. Uh, Paul Hornstein, my co-host, joining me as always from beautiful Long Island, New York. And tonight it is our pleasure to introduce the uh, sports writer from the Watertown, New York Daily Times, covering uh, Clarkson Hockey and St. Lawrence University Hockey. Cap Carey is joining us now. Um Cap, are you with us? If, you, if you're if you there, please tap on uh, one of the call-in buttons and we'll hook you up and, and start this conversation. Oh, All right, Cap, are you with us? I think so. Can you hear me? Absolutely we can. Okay. We hear you loud and clear. You got That's Scott good. and Paul here. Um, I teased this a little bit, Cap, in, in advance. We have you, a diehard University of Arizona, or should I say you, Arizona, uh, alum, and my co-host is a diehard Arizona State University alum in Paul Hornstein. And I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm just like a UMD uh, Minnesota Duluth alum. So uh, first of all, welcome to the show, and thanks for making time for us tonight. No, thanks. No problem. Yeah, all right. On. Let, let, let's jump into this, Cap, right off the get-go. Paul and I have had a chance a couple of years ago to, uh, to see uh, the Golden Knights from uh, Clarkson right here in our backyard at uh, Keeley River Arena when they came for the holiday tournament. Um, we were both very impressed with the skill of the players and, and the job that Casey does with the program and um, just the way they conducted themselves. They ended up leaving as champions. Um, your thoughts are just a little insight into uh, Clarkson men's hockey first. Uh, well, it's very successful program, obviously, rich history and – the last four, three or four years, they've been back to where they were before, you know, in the old days. And uh, just a good group of people all in general. I mean, all the players are classy guys. There isn't one player that I've ever had any problems getting along with. And, uh, you know, it's a small school atmosphere, so that helps. Uh, but, you know, overall, it's just a, you know, first-run place. So when, when we talk about uh, Clarkson hockey, uh, we have to talk about the men's and the women's side because – the women are uh, equally as talented, I think, and and uh, probably built in the same type of mold. Is that a fair statement? Um, sort of, but they're obviously different too. Uh, women's team uh, is only about eleven years old, so their history is a little younger, obviously. And uh, they uh, became the first team from our area to ever win a national championship at the Division One level. St. Lawrence and Clarkson men have tried, you know, since since the first times, you know, the thirties and forties to get to that level, but the women's team somehow pulled it off and they've won three times in the last six years, I believe. So, Well, yeah, they've really been the only Eastern-based team to win in, in, in women's hockey, have they not? Yeah, they were the only team from the ECAC. Every other title has been won by Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, or Wisconsin, I believe, just those three schools. Cap, so you also cover St. Lawrence, uh, you know, People out here might not be as familiar with them as they are with Clarkson now just because we've had a chance to see them. But, but tell us about, uh, about St. Lawrence and their programs. Right now they're kind of in a building mode. They had some tough times. Their coach 
Greg Carvel left a few years ago to go to Massachusetts, and they've struggled since he left. Um, but the new coach, Brent Brecky, he was a Clarkson assistant on the team that you saw a couple of years ago. Uh, I think he'll do a good job there. It's just going to take a little time to build it back up after you know a lot of players have left and stuff. But you know they also have a very successful history in the past, both men's and women's side. Um, when we since we're on St. Lawrence, um, they definitely have because I remember when I was a kid. Uh, growing up that the the northern the, the the teams in upstate new york were 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 as good as the teams from boston uh and in the minnesotas and things uh st lawrence has definitely struggled over the last few years um what is their what is their outlook going to be this year they, they they have a young team but they have a lot of sophomores and juniors now a little bit more experience uh, are they expecting big things this year? I don't know. I wouldn't the season started. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say big things. I think they're still in the building mode, but they'll be better than they've been in the last couple of years. They have a good recruiting class coming in, the first real class for the new coach. But it takes a few years to kind of build things back up to where they were before. It's not just going to happen overnight. Cap, I want to talk just a little bit about uh... – the situation that the entire world is in right now with COVID-19 and hopefully things have been okay for you guys up there and you personally and your family and all that, uh, because it's a terrible virus that's overtaken us. But if you can take us back to uh, mid-March, you know, March 10th, 11th, 12th, when, when all of this hit, uh, what went through your head and, and how did everybody react up in that neck of the woods? It was weird at first because uh, up here it wasn't really that bad. It's never been that bad here. I think believe right now I think we have two active cases of it in this county. But at the time it was just surprising because every day something weird was happening. Like I called Casey Jones when RPI dropped their season and Clarkson had a playoff series coming up and they were going to have to juggle the playoffs. And then two days later the whole season was over, period. So <laughs> it just all happened very fast. It was just kind of strange. I mean, it was amazing how quickly everybody everything got canceled. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's, uh, you know, down here, uh, what I've found, Cap, and, and tell me if you think this is true from the, the people that you've interacted with since, is that it seemed like, you know, Arizona State was on the verge of possibly getting a uh, another bid as an independent into the tournament. And I think the first couple of weeks, the players, the coaches, everybody around the program were just like an utter shock. Um, and then I think after the first maybe two or three weeks, that started to wear off, and they started to realize that, okay, this was real, and it affected not only them but everybody. And then I think maybe another month or six weeks after that, the talk began to, okay, well, let's get through this, and let's plan for the future, and let's do what we can. Is, is that a fair overview from, from your territory as well? Yeah, and we had some weird situations too. Like the Clarkson women's team was supposed to play Wisconsin in an NCAA quarterfinal. And they actually flew out to Wisconsin on the day that everything came to an end. So they landed in Wisconsin and found out that not only was there no game, but there was no season. So then they had to find, they had to come back, and we're kind of in a remote area. We're an hour from an interstate highway here. So they couldn't fly <laughs> back into Syracuse even. They had to fly to New York City and take a bus seven hours up to Potsdam the next day to get back here. So it was just kind of a weird situation all around. And But I think people obviously have had time to accept what's going on and you know, hopefully there will be a season. Uh, I'm not sure exactly if, if what teams will have to cancel games, but you know, the Liberty League, which is the Division Three league that Clarkson and St. Lawrence played in their other sports, has already announced plans to start on September 26th with their competitions. So there's hope that there'll be something going on hockey-wise too. 
And by the way, Scott, if you're not familiar with that drive from uh, where I am to where Cap is, it's not a straight, flat highway drive going across Kansas either, by the way. No, you take... You take eighty seven up to Albany, and then you have another hour and a half drive, and then you get on a you get on a two lane windy mountain road for about two hours to get here. Yeah. Okay, let me let me jump into this conversation real quick, folks, because I grew up in northern Minnesota, and if you've ever making a trek from from Duluth, Minnesota, across the state of Minnesota and into North Dakota and Montana, it, it is very much flat, but it will take you that seven eight hours that you're talking about. So I'm a bit familiar with that too, but. I've been in Arizona for a little while now. So, Cap, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, one other thing to you on this end of it is, you know, New York's a big state and you're a long ways away from it. But uh, how would, and I guess I should say, what was the reaction when LIU announced pretty much out of the blue that they were going to form an NCAA hockey team? I think people were only surprised that they wanted to do it immediately and not wait. You know, even like Arizona State, I believe they announced a year or so before they actually started playing games. And I think people were just more surprised about the fact that they wanted to start having a team right away, especially given what's going on right now, where there wasn't even any guarantee there'd even be a season at all. It just seemed that was the only thing I think that surprised people was the, the time, you know, that they wanted to start playing right away and not wait a year or so to build, you know, a roster and stuff, hire staff and all that kind of stuff, you know. Well, they they certainly seem to have made a, a correct hire and taking somebody yeah. from the Riley family, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I meant more than just the head coach. I meant, you know, you, right, sure. there's tons of people that work in a hockey program. You have equipment managers, trainers, physical trainers, you know. So I just, it was just surprising that they did it that quickly. Yeah, I, and, and and I don't know if you're with us on, on, on this point, but uh, the easiest thing to get is almost players. Because mm-hmm. there's plenty of kids that want to play. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so... Um, as, as we look, uh, towards this year, um, with LIU coming in, um, that means there's probably going to be some jumbling, uh, of conferences. Uh, have you guys up there heard, uh, any rumors, scuttlebutt, uh, make up some lies? I don't know. Uh, about- <laughs> honestly, uh. Honestly, I don't really know anything about what their conference situation will be because uh, they wouldn't be able to assume a big enough program to be in Hockey East right away, even though that would be a geographical match. Right. You know, Atlanta hockey, I don't know if Atlanta hockey wants them or not, but that would seem like the most logical place. I haven't really read up too much on where they plan on playing or where they're hoping to play, but, you know. Cap, as you, you guys any... know, it's hard. Oh, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> no, go ahead. No, say, as, as Arizona State knows, it's hard to find a conference. Yeah, uh, yeah well <laughs> – yeah, certainly uh, they've been trying to figure that out for a while. Hopefully that'll happen soon. Uh, I know the women's teams at LIU played uh, at uh, both different places where the Islanders have their practices. Uh, at Syosset and their uh, main practice facility at Northwell Health Center. So um, I'm assuming that's where the men will play too. And just, you know, so... I, even though that's kind of a strange arena situation, at least they have a place. Obviously they have a place to play. Um, And they're going to be playing a lot of road games this year anyway. Yeah. And scheduling is tough because a lot of schools have their schedules already planned before LIU had made their announcement. So, I mean, they might get a break this year. Some schools can't play and they need an emergency team to fill a game that they lost. Yeah. And then the Huntsville situation threw everything into even more flux. Yeah. 
Kappa, you know, there's been rumors, and I don't know if we can substantiate them yet, but LIU is talking about maybe coming out here and doing uh, a series with uh, ASU, but then also maybe taking on a ACHA D1 team like uh, like UNLV or Grand Canyon or somebody like that. Um, any word that you've heard uh, as far as how they would do that in a hybrid type mode? I haven't heard anything about them really, to be honest, other than, the, other than when they hired their coach and when they started, but I haven't heard and the occasional Twitter, you'll see so-and-so is committed, but that's about all I know about LIU at the moment. I haven't really, you know, so they're not in our league. So I hadn't really, to be honest, worried about them that much or, you know, I'm an hour, I'm less than an hour away and, and I haven't heard a whole lot either. Uh, yeah. I put out a couple of messages and, uh, they're keeping everything close to the vest. And I guess that makes sense, right? Since nobody really knows what's going to happen with the start of the season, keeping it close to the vest. And uh, you can't be disappointed if you're not expecting anything, right? Yeah, and I haven't looked at their website even to see if they have a schedule or what, you know, I haven't yeah. really. So. Uh, let me so, ask about Clarkson. Uh, yeah. That's a team we've seen a lot of. Uh, they have definitely been on a roll for the last five years under Casey Jones. Um, and they have a pretty big recruiting class coming in. Uh, they have almost double-digit recruits coming in this year. Um, yeah. Are we going to see a really different team out of them? Because they've lost all their letter wearers, and well, they have no returning goalie. The last couple of years, they've lost a lot of people and been the same. They've, they're really good at kind of replacing people that go. I mean, if you look at who they lost, their senior class that just graduated already had two people in it that had played in the NHL by now and another one in the AHL. I mean, they've, they've lost talent every year, but they have a good system. They just re, kind of refill it, sort of, so to speak. Uh, any word on what they're looking for in terms of goaltender? Because they had Jake Tiley in for a few years before last year when they had Frank Marat transfer from Robert Morris, and uh, he played just about every game. Uh, yeah. They have one veteran that played last year, Chris Oldham, who transferred in. Uh, I forgot the school he came from, somewhere in the Midwest, I believe. Oh, that's okay. But uh, they have him coming back, and also they have a couple goalies in their recruiting class that are supposed to be pretty good. So uh, I don't think goalie will be a problem for them. Uh, like I said, they tend to be – Casey's able to get – and his staff are able to kind of replace what they lose. Uh, nobody, Everybody thought goalie would be a weakness coming in this year with Jake leaving early a year ago, and it turned out to be a strength. So, yeah. <laughs> So, Cap, when we look at um, the way things is, are situated now with the COVID-19 and all of that, just a gut feeling. And I asked I asked Paul this earlier, and, and he just kind of wanted to pop me in the face. But uh, <laughs> you, do you have any opinion right now of, A, how things are going to play out, and, B, do you think it's going to hurt NCAA hockey um, more than we really know because of the finances and all of those different things? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, I would think that, you know, eventually things will be back to normal at some point, and I don't think this is going to be like a death blow or anything for college hockey. I just think it's one of those years you got to put up with. Things might start a little later. Um, right now, Clarkson's supposed to officially start the season on October 10th at Vermont. That you know, That's a game that could happen if the situation isn't bad in either state because it's only a two-hour drive from here you know, to that campus, so it's not like a long road trip or anything like that. Uh, their first home stand supposed to be against Alaska Anchorage the week after that. Uh, it'd be nice if they can come because the coach is Matt Curley, who used to play at Clarkson and also grew up in this area. So it'd be neat for him if they could actually get those games in and be able to have some fans there too because it's going to be a special trip for him, I'm sure, to bring his team in here. When you look at the ECAC, um, 
would you think or would you say that because of the bigger names in other places that the league is underrated a little bit? It gets underrated for a few reasons. It's, it's all small schools for one. Uh, we're not the league's not really in any big cities except Harvard is near Boston, but otherwise it's you know towns like Canton probably has three traffic lights and eight thousand people <laughs> roughly. Potsdam probably has five. It's eleven miles away, um, so th- it's a lot of small towns. And Hamilton, New York, where Colgate plays, is even smaller than our two towns. So it, in, in that regard, it does, uh, but it has some advantages. The schools like Clarkson and St. Lawrence have the advantage of the fact that the hockey team is the big show in town. It's not like we're here at Michigan or Notre Dame and hockey is second to football and basketball and a bunch of other sports that, you know, Clarkson and St. Lawrence are almost like pro teams to fans up here because it's a little remote area that plays at the highest level. Okay. So we, so, we got a chance to talk a little hockey stuff. Just one second, Paul, and I'll let you jump back in. Uh, my question, uh, Cap, is that uh, you're a California native. Is that correct? Yeah, I grew up in the Los Angeles area. Los Angeles area. You went to Tucson, Arizona, to the uh, University of Arizona. How in the world did you end up in uh, in Potsdam, New York? Well, when I got, I got out of college during a recession in the 90s, so when I got out of college, newspapers weren't hiring people. They were just letting people go and not replacing them. And so I was working part-time for the Los Angeles Times and living with my parents. And my dad retired, and they were going to move to Maui, and I didn't think the new people were going to let me keep my room. So... <laughs> <laughs> I had I had relatives back east. You know, my dad's father grew up in the Binghamton area or the Pennsylvania, but that stretch between Pennsylvania and Binghamton, Scranton, Pennsylvania, and Binghamton. So I had relatives in the area, so I figured I'd try the east and see if I had any better luck out here. And I was here about six months when I got hired by the Watertown Times back in. It was actually I started the last week of 1993, so I've been here ever since. Wow, that's that's a long time to be in one place in the media business, no matter yeah. what side of the media business it is, whether it's print, uh, yeah. uh, radio, this, television, whatever the case might be. Yeah, this will be the first Clarkson team I've covered where nobody was alive when I started covering the program. <laughs> <laughs> That's a unique uh, way yeah, of putting it. <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's, it's like uh, uh, when, it, when uh, you get a student that was uh, is the offspring of somebody you taught years ago, so... Uh, I, I do kind of understand that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been here so long that like Tim Thomas was a freshman, I think in Vermont, the first year I lived here. Yeah. Oh, Cause they, they used to be in the ECAC. <laughs> so in St. Louis and Perrin also. So, so, so here's my next follow-up to that is growing up in LA. Um, what drew you to hockey? What made you, you know, want to be a hockey fan and follow hockey? I know, you know, back in the day in Tucson, there were the ice cats and stuff like that, but, but tell me, what drew you to hockey? Well, the Kings weren't very good when I grew up as a kid, but I still would watch. I just thought it was an interesting sport because it was the only sport you really couldn't play. Like, if you're a kid, you can go play baseball. You can play basketball. If you want to play hockey, you've got to know how to skate. You've got to know where there's ice. You got There's a whole lot of stuff you got to do, you know, when you grow up in California. So it's not really something you're going to grow up playing. Now it is, but when I was a kid, it wasn't. But I just I went to Arizona because my dad grew up in Tucson, so I had a lot of relatives there, and I thought it'd be a good place to go away to college, but also not be away in a, in a sense. And the second year I was at Arizona, this fan magazine called Cat Tracks started up, and so I worked for them, and uh, I, I volunteered to cover the hockey team just because I knew I wasn't going to get to cover basketball or football when I was, <laughs> you know, sophomore in college. But uh, you know, the hockey team, other than you know, it was a club team, but it was interesting to cover. I mean, the, the year before that, they hosted the club national championship. I remember going to watch that, and they played North Dakota State and lost in the championship game. 
So, well, then, that you was, that, were there, then you were there, uh, I, I assume, uh, when there was the odd rumor or two that they were drawing well enough to maybe make the jump to varsity. They never yeah, they've always drawn well. Like, I went back about eight years ago at Christmas time to visit my relatives, and I went to an Arizona, Arizona State game when Arizona State was still a club team. And the place had five, 6,000 people, I would guess, at that game for that game. But, uh, I don't think it was ever taken seriously because there was a lot of logistical hurdles. Uh, for one thing, the school had no interest in doing it. And it, as you're finding out now, you know, it's hard to find opponents that are not going to cost you a fortune to travel to. <laughs> you know, and they didn't have any donors that wanted to spend millions of dollars to get a team going. So I never really bought into the, them ever going D1 just because they drew well. I just thought they were kind of a club novelty in that sense that they, you know. In fact, when I saw ASU, when I was in college, I went to an ASU game, and they were playing in a shopping mall. There was like an ice rink in the shopping mall. Yeah. So that, <laughs> I remember that. It was kind of by a food court, and you had to stand on the upper deck and look down on the ice. You know. That would have been probably, you're talking... It was in the 90s. Early 90s? Yeah, it was 90, 1990 probably. But I just remember yeah. I, I had a curiosity. I wanted to see an Arizona-Arizona State game there, so I drove up, and like I said, the game was in the shopping mall. Yeah, they were playing at Thomas Mall in, in 48th Street downtown... Uh, yeah. in, in Phoenix, and there were no electrical outlets and no phone yeah. outlets. And... Yeah. and they were terrible. They were terrible back then too. Every game was always like thirteen to three or fourteen to four. You know, they weren't very good. At yeah, the time. that was that was really when the the program first started. Those late eighties, early nineties years. Um, yeah, that was Arizona's problem was they were either too good or too bad. If they played other club teams in the West, they beat them by ten goals. But then the occasional good team would come out here like Penn State or North Dakota State, and they'd lose by five goals. So they, it was a weird situation because you, you saw like a bad game either way. There wasn't many teams where they played competitive, like exciting, tense games. So so I want to ask you this, Cap. Um, we always ask our guests, and Paul and I have them on from, from away from the uh, the Arizona area, is uh, what's the, the perception of ASU NCAA hockey now that they're five, starting their sixth year as a program, what's the talk about ASU hockey? I would say people would be impressed by what they've done. Um, they've played Clarkson five times now, I believe, and every game that they played was a competitive game. You know, n nobody blew anybody out any of those nights to my memory. Uh, I think people were pleasantly surprised to see how quickly they were able to do well. I thought it would take them a little longer than a couple of years to be, you know, NCAA tournament caliber team just because there's been teams in our own conference that haven't had a – team that good for decades so you wonder you know how a new team can start up that quickly but you also realize there's a lot of pluses i mean it's probably not hard to talk a kid into going somewhere where it's going to be 75 degrees before <laughs> practice <laughs> uh, no, the, not at all and they're brave they came here in january so yeah, yeah you know, i i can't figure that out myself to be honest with you so yeah. i look at the schedule and see like shouldn't you guys be playing at home in january and february yeah well, i don't make the schedule and they've been good, you know, the four times I've seen them play in person, they were, you know, always, everybody there was very friendly. And, you know, that's kind of a joke. I wore my Arizona hat to the first game they played here. And I was standing in the tunnel when they walked down the hallway and they were all looking at me like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? You know, and, and then pa Power started talking to me and he found out I went to school there. And he's like, well, if you went to school there, you can wear the hat, you know. And so. <laughs> okay. I want to, I want to talk about something because I started this, this show talking about this rivalry between ASU and U of A and, and I've got one of each here, but it was really funny because uh, when I first met Paul and we were talking about things uh, years ago now, uh, he said his favorite spot on the campus 
at Arizona State University was the chuck box. Right. <laughs> and, and I talked to you and you said, hey, if I could come back to Tempe, I'd like to go eat at the chuck box. And I was going like, wow, we have two passionate fan bases here, but we have one commonality in the fact that the chuck box is great food. Yeah, I went there in 2016. I had a trip for a, I went for a month to the to Arizona. We went to the Grand Canyon and Sedona for a couple of days. So I made sure that my mom stopped at the Chuck Box on the way up to Sedona so I could eat there. Well, I was pleasantly surprised that it was still there because you never know, you know. <laughs> right. Well, well, listen, it's about the only thing that still is. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Everything else is new. <laughs> and I forgot how small it was. I don't remember it being as small. I mean, we got in there, and it seemed like there were four tables in the place. So I remembered it being a little bigger. But obviously, that was just bad memory on my part because it isn't very big inside. Yeah, um, they, they didn't have uh, cold beers and cheeseburgers uh, when when <laughs> restaurants when I was there. You like that plug, Scott? Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't feel guilty about talking about uh, someplace else. But uh, – uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was loving it because the student radio station was literally right across the street, and it was perfect. And yeah. went there often, and um, I think they'll be open long enough in another six months to a year to actually be considered a landmark. That's interesting. And I, I, I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, we want that to happen because we want to make sure the place never goes away. So, um so that uh, that we're hoping that that happens, and um, but and I, I'll give you one here, Scott. When I was a first place in Arizona, I actually lived was Tucson. Ah, Tucson does have Tucson does have better Mexican restaurants than Phoenix does. Um, oh, this was a long time ago. This was um, the school the seventy four seventy five school year, and. Yeah. I only know that because at the time my family owned an Italian restaurant somewhere in Tucson. I have no idea where it was. And I was sitting in the back of the kitchen with a, I don't know, maybe an eight inch black and white TV watching game seven Islanders penguins. Uh, when the Islanders had, were down three games to none and came back won that final game, one nothing uh, to be the second team ever to come back and, and win a playoff series down three, nothing. So that's why I kind of always remember that, uh, and I also remember that at that time, NBC had the contract, too. And the, the NBC affiliate in Tucson was not carrying it. It was carried on one of the independent stations. So it's crazy how the things uh, that you remember from when you were a little kid. Um, and I know that, Scott, you didn't know this before. That's a new story for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that it is. So, so I figured if Cap was given in was was going to give a couple of inches, I might as well give a couple. Too. The uh, the Islanders also had a couple of St. Lawrence connections back then. Bill Torrey is a St. Yeah. Lawrence player, and the rink is actually named after him now. The the ice surfaces and the trainer Ron Waski for the Islanders is also a St. Lawrence graduate. He was St. Lawrence's hockey trainer after he was with the Islanders. He said the NHL stood for no home life, so he went back to college hockey. <laughs> Very good. I, I I mean I remember the name. I remember. You know that you know many times he gets his name mentioned during the broadcast, uh, the local broadcast, and I, and I did never realized he went back to. Uh, being yeah, manager he, he was actually the first women's hockey coach at St. Lawrence when they went Division One, and then after about three years, they, he he left. He went back to being a trainer, and they hired another guy. But he he actually started the women's program at St. Lawrence at the Division One level. They had a Division Three team for years. 
So. Okay, so here's how I want to end uh, our conversations here. We're, we're running out of a little bit of time. we got a couple minutes left, but but I promised all of our listeners uh, in my pre-tweets that uh, we'd be talking a little rivalry here. And, and before we start the rivalry part of it, I know that both of you have mutual respect for Coach Powers and what he's done. And, Cap, I told you when I was uh, texting you back and forth that uh, Coach Powers has built a coaching tree, right? Um, when I started this six years ago now, um, and I wanted to cover hockey in the desert Southwest. First person I went to is Greg Powers because they were starting an NCAA team. And uh, he laid a roadmap for all the club programs. So U of A follows Coach Powers. Um, UNLV has a roadmap from Coach Powers. Grand Canyon has a roadmap from Coach Powers. He's got this little coaching tree. So I know the Chuck Box and Coach Powers are mutual, mutual things. But let's start with you, Cap, since you're our guest. Tell us what you remember most about a rivalry between uh, U Arizona and ASU. Well, first off, I can say the four years I was there, Arizona never lost Arizona State in football or basketball. Baseball is to me what seemed like the nastiest rivalry. Uh, it's where oh, you see the crowds. Yeah, you see the crowds get the nastiest. I mean, just say really insulting things. And I heard a story once that Jerry Kendall was on the chopping block one year. They thought he was going to get fired. And so their last series was in Tempe, and fans were reading the classified ads to him during pregame warm-ups. <laughs> Scott, he's, Cap is not wrong. There's, there was no question about the fact that the, the football rivalry is nasty. The basketball rivalry is nasty. Um, they are not. They were not even close. Not even close to the, to the nastiness the de- I, Cap, you tell me if I'm wrong. The downright meanness. Oh, yeah, baseball uh, had. <laughs> oh, and it was funny because I liked. Uh, I forgot his name. Was it Jim Brock? Jim Brock. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was the nicest coach in the packs in the six pack back then because I covered all the home games and I, I really liked him. Even though I wasn't an ASU fan, but I thought he was a just a great guy. It's too bad he passed away so young, but you know. Well, Scott, here you go. See, now you thought you were going to get Cap and I to go at each other. Here we are with the mutual admiration. Well, here's the thing. Because (laughs) as a student, I had a a project to do for a class. And Brock and Jerry Kindle ran their programs completely differently. And the, the project that I did was basically a compare and contrast project of the two programs. And I remember calling up the baseball office at Arizona and asking for Jerry Kindle. And he answered the phone. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, uh, um, you know, and when I kind of got over the shock of that, he said, listen, call me back at X time on X day. I'll give you all the time you need. And I did. And I made sure that, you know, when they came up to play later that year, I you know, made sure that I went up and thanked him and, uh, shook his hand and say, thank you very much. I got an A on the project. Thank you for your help. <laughs> um, and and well, considering like we just said that the baseball rival was – and by the way, that rivalry was in the stands. It was yeah. not in the coach's office. Yeah, they liked right. each other. They were good friends actually. Yes, the two coaches uh, were actually very close, as Cap just said. Um, and it's – you know, so uh, it's funny how – it didn't. The games were intense. The games were absolutely intense, but the two coaches had so much respect for each other, and 
you know, and I always said you cannot say a bad word about Jerry Kindle in front of me because he helped me get an A in class. And Brock was Brock was funny. I remember a game where uh, Mike Kelly, who was the best player in the country at the time, stole a home run from an Arizona guy. He jumped over the wall, and all you could see was him from the waist down because the front of his body was over the wall. And after the game, Brock said, "That's why I always tell the outfielders to keep an extra baseball in their gloves." <laughs> uh, and, I love it. And, and Kelly, you know, that was the debate when he came out: was he going to be the number one pick or the number two pick? Uh, and the Reds took him with uh, the second pick. The Yankees took Brian Taylor. Uh, and if you're a Yankee fan, you know what happened there. Um, <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, Kelly was a great outfielder, a great outfielder. And, yeah. you know, when you look – if you looked at – I mean, everybody – if you looked at the all-time rosters for both schools, especially for baseball – you could put a Hall of Fame lineup together uh, yeah. three or four times over. So yeah. Arizona, when I was there, had Kenny Lofton, and all he did was pinch run because he joined <laughs> after basketball. And it was it was too late. Jerry Kendall didn't think he could learn all the signs and everything with that late in the season, so he was pretty much the best pinch runner in Arizona history. But I don't think he ever had an official at-bat with Arizona. Uh, you'd have to go back and look, but, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And our rivalry is like that too. I mean, it's 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 the fans are the ones that are more hateful, I think, in some places than the than the players and the coaches. Because, you know, like Casey Jones' daughter is going to be a freshman on the St. Lawrence women's hockey team this year. Oh. Um, the the entire Clarkson women's hockey coaching staff, including equipment manager, are all St. Lawrence graduates. So oh my goodness! So there's a lot of you know, it's 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 kind of like a, a family in some ways. But the fans well, obviously there's, there's hate in the fans. Apart. But there's hey, I mean, there's people at St. Lawrence that will not go to games at Clarkson because they don't like Chio Arena, and you know, there's people at Clarkson that don't like St. Lawrence's Arena and call it. Down. It's just uh, it, there's hatred, I'd say, with fans sometimes. But the players and the coaches all have a respect for each other. They want to win, obviously, but they, uh, it's not like like the fans are. There's more more of that's from the fans. Well, like as, as 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 you guys both know, the hockey community, even though it, it doesn't seem like it, is very small um, mm-hmm. in terms compared to, to the other sports and you know everybody knows everybody um, so that is often the case where the, the hatred is usually in the bleachers and not on the benches yeah okay so let me let me uh, wrap things up here by telling you guys a couple things Paul you already know this on cap I don't know if you've heard it or not but um, Coach Powers, and this is a unique situation that I'm in, right? I've got the club teams, the NHL, and the NCAA program. So uh, i, I got to be middle of the road everywhere I go, right? Um, in, in Tucson, Coach Berman has had a lot of success recently against the ASU. ASU is battling back now, but um, every year when the rivalry starts, it's a seven-game series, and uh, when I go talk to uh, Coach Powers, He'll tell me that, yeah, I'm going into the locker room to talk to the guys on how they're supposed to perform against ASU. And when I go to U Arizona, uh, Coach Berman will tell me the most important thing in our whole season is winning that Cactus Cup back or keeping it from Arizona State. So the rivalry is there. It's real. Uh, It's so much fun, but but sometimes it can be a bit uncomfortable, and I've got to do stories on both sides of it. So yeah, that's uh, I, what I do up here. <laughs> I hear you. I know you, I know you're in the same boat. Uh, and I also grew up in Northern Minnesota. And if you're familiar with Northern Minnesota high school hockey, 
Roseau and Warroad, Minnesota are about 20 miles apart, and they had the fiercest rivalry uh, in high school hockey, probably uh, rivaling stuff that, that happened in Texas football. So uh, it's, really, uh, it's really something that's really enjoyable. I want to thank you personally for coming on because uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time, and, and thanks for staying up late and spending some time with us. I hope everything is good and, and healthy up there in, uh, in Potsdam and Canton, and yeah. we look forward to seeing you either in Clarkson or when Clarkson comes down here again because I know it's going to happen. Everybody, yeah. uh, the, the two teams just love each other, or we'll see each other in a tournament somewhere maybe. Yeah, we've got to get St. Lawrence to play them at some point, too. Yeah, that, I think that's one of the few teams they haven't played yet. Cap, don't let them get away with this it's late stuff. I stay up till 1 in the morning. So. <laughs> I, I, you, are, you and I are not that old, yeah. and it's not even 1030 yet, so don't let them get away with that. I actually like visiting my mom because I can go to bed at 10, 10 o'clock at night, and it feels normal to me, and I can get up at – I can get up at six in the morning and I'm perfectly fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, you guys are great. I appreciate it, Cap. Thanks for joining us. Uh, anytime you want to talk college hockey with us, Paul and I are available down here. And if you want to come down and get a, a Chuck Box uh, burger, uh, we'll be happy to take you over there and take care of that as well. Yeah, well, thanks. All right, that's Cap Carey with the Watertown, New York Daily Times, uh, covering Clarkson hockey, covering St. Lawrence hockey. Uh, Paul and I are going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from a couple of our partners. We're going to come back, and Paul's going to give you a trivia question. Hashtag Pucks on the Pod from our friends at Summer Skates. We'll be right back. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our Three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today, at 60, Dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what Dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago. And he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive, too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop. Or visit mdriveformen.com, and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. You find your prime with M-Drive. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, Long Island iced teas, or if you just want a straight shot of the best tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine is the brand for you. The award-winning Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails, whether celebrating an overtime game winner with friends or relaxing by the pool after a long work day. Find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Mexican Moonshine, award-winning taste since 2011. Ask 
ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Bill Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available too for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy, live from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, as usual, lounging probably in the backyard of that palatial estate. Yeah. Uh, now that the weather has uh, has perked up out there on Long Island, New York, Paul Hornstein. Uh, Paul, it's your time. It is hashtag Pucks on the Pod trivia question presented by Summer Skates. All right, well, what we're going to do here first is we are going to repeat a question that has not had a winner yet. So we get two winners, hopefully. All right. Um, you said that somebody got an answer, but they were not eligible to win. Is that what you told me? That's what I told you. We've had a couple of those lately. All right. So the question that no one has officially gotten yet is who was the last ASU club player to score a varsity goal? Okay. And I told Scott that, and I told you I would give a hint. Um, give the hint. You have to look <laughs> earlier than you think. Okay, the there last, you go, folks. The last year that club players were on the team, the answer is not there. Okay, there's a hint. That's that's the uh, the quote unquote old question, Paul. What's the new hashtag bucks on the pod presented decided, by Summer Skates? I've decided that this week will will go easy. I don't know about next week because I have no idea what I'm going to ask next. Week. <laughs> All right. This is what was supposed to be the original question. Uh, but, you know, hey, uh, things happen. Who was the first ranked team that ASU beat at home? Ah, the first ranked team that ASU's NCAA Division One hockey team beat at home. At home. Oh. Okay, so get to uh, at Ice Time SW on our Twitter account. Use the hashtag Pucks on the Pod, not Pond. Pucks on the Pod uh, to uh, get your answer in and get your shot at a uh, nice prize pack from uh, our partners at Summer Skates. And as usual, Paul, time just flew by again, so it is now time for your beautiful read. Go ahead and give it to us, and and we'll end it up with a little De Niro from Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, to take us away. Listen, you're not disappointed, are you? No, never. Cap and I didn't go at each other? No, no. You guys did good. I told you to play nice, and you both did. (laughs) It was hard. All right, take it away, my friend. All right, College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Belfort. The Arizona Ford Giant voted the best Ford dealer in Arizona by Arizona Business, presenting sponsor and partner of the new season of Sunday Specials. Ask to see our friend Kevin Wood there and tell him that Ice Time Hockey SW sent you. By cold beers and cheeseburgers, satisfy your inner foodie with our handcrafted made-to-order burgers 
in our long lists of the best in craft beers. Buy Sprint, a brighter future for all. See Andre in Paradise Valley at Cactus and Tatum and let him find you the right deal. Buy Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call them at 1-702-541-5546 or go to jessieraysbarbecue.com and find out about how they can serve your catering needs. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, it's all about the butt. Buy summer skates, shower shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. Win your summer skates prize pack with the hashtag pucks on the pod. Behind the mask, getting ready to get back on the ice. Order online at behindthemask.com or come in and check out our refurbished stores. By College Bar and Grill, stop there and pick up your lunch at 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe. College Bar and Grill by ASU fans for ASU fans. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all of your ASU hockey merchandise. Call for ice availability. By Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, the best margaritas, and more. Go to MexicanMoonshine.com and pick up your bottle today. By OxyPow, introducing the new line of all-natural hand sanitizers. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPow.com. By M-Drive, go to MDriveForMen.com and use the promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. M-Drive for energy, stamina, and recovery. By the Ice Den, Scottsdale and Chandler. Small group skating sessions available. See the website for information. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at the iTunes Store, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is a part of the Ice Time Hockey SW.com network. Wow. It just continues to get better and better. I couldn't be uh, more proud of everything that's happened here at Ice Time Hockey Southwest. Paul, you're a big part of it, as you know. Uh, Zach Bondurant joining us and doing a great job with the website uh, is coming up as well. Uh, keep your eyes open, folks. Before the end of the month, you're going to see the uh, the newly released 19 or uh, 19 uh, 2019 Ford Escape on the road. Uh, find us. Uh, you never know. We could have some prizes in store for you as well. So keep an eye out for the uh, the new car. And uh, by all means, tune in and download and follow us at ITHSW Podcast. Paul, any final words before we let Roger Klein and the Peacemakers take us away? Yeah. Every day it gets us a little closer to some hockey, uh, regardless of what the level is. Let's hope that uh, that goes off smoothly. Uh, let's hope that uh, – we're looking at a uh, Greg Powers on the bench uh, camera shot really soon, <laughs> and we'll go from there. I mean, you know, um, this is, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're all keeping our fingers crossed and monitoring things every day, and, you know, that's all we can do. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself for Paul Hornstein out of beautiful Long Island, New York. Scott Strandy here in Scottsdale, Arizona. A special thanks to Cap Carey for joining us from uh, upstate New York and the uh, Watertown Daily Times. This is Roger Klein and the Peacemaker saying goodnight. Be safe, wear your masks, and uh, we'll see you next week on College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Have a good night.